Online Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! All right, all right, all right. Look at that. Welcome, everybody, to After Buzz TV's recap show for Superstore, the new sitcom that debuted tonight on NBC. You can follow us here on hashtag ABTV Superstore. Follow us there on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Check us out on YouTube and iTunes as well. I'm Frank Moran. I'll be your host tonight. Now, the certainly, uh, much like a store, the, the, the shelves are kind of bare here, just doing a solo hosting tonight. But rest assured, next week we are going to restock these shelves have the rest of the panel back here so we can break down all the episodes. But for tonight, I'll be here breaking down episodes 101 through 104. Now, Superstore got its start. They did a little sneak peek back in the, the first week of December. They did a little sneak peek uh, right after The Voice on, uh, on a Monday night at 10 o'clock. They did the first two episodes there, and then they streamed the third episode. So the first three episodes have been available to catch up to on demand, and tonight was the debut of the series in its regular time slot at 8 o'clock on Monday nights. And we had episode 104, which we'll be breaking down in just a little bit. Now, a little breakdown on the series. It was actually created by Justin Spitzer, who has worked on The Office as well. Executive produced by Ruben Fleischer, who you may know directed films like Gangster Squad and Zombieland, 30 Minutes or Less. So they've uh, collaborated on this sitcom here. The premise of the sitcom is basically it's a, a superstore, one of those giant superstores like a Walmart, Costco, Target, and all the uh, the shenanigans that go on with all the uh, the the staff members of that store. As the uh, the slogan on the poster says, they're getting their shift together. It stars American Ferreira, who you may know from Ugly Betty, as well as Ben Feldman, who plays Jonah on the show there. Uh, he's been in many other productions. He was on uh, from A to Z on NBC last year. Also starring uh, Colton Dunn, if anybody's a fan of uh, the UCB here in Los Angeles. Colton Dunn is a, a great performer over there. So it's a, a fantastic show. So let's kick right into it here. I mean, we start off this with all series, uh, the pilot. Episode 101. Basically, we start off with uh, Ben Feldman. He's our entry character into the show. He starts off by getting his first day there at uh, Superstore, doing an interview with uh, with Dina, who's one of the, I guess you would describe her as sort of the, uh, uh, like, uh, just the over-militant uh, uh, kind of middle management right there. Uh, she just wants to make sure that everything is ship-shape and everything's done according to code. But, of course, she takes a fancy to Jonah as well, so... Kind of does a little easy interview since uh, you know he's got a, she's got a bit of a crush on him and uh, gets him through. He also start, start, starts the same day as Mateo, uh, another employee there. And as they introduce themselves to the rest of the staff, basically Jonah says he's just there to uh, just uh, it's his first day on the job. Mateo though takes the moment to uh, let everybody know that he's here to spread his wings and and fly as far as he could. Uh, so now. Our, the play the, the main character of the show, the lead of the show, is uh, American Ferreira. She plays Amy, but uh, it doesn't use goes by the name of Amy. She actually wears name tags with different names on there because she doesn't want anybody that doesn't work at the store to really be able to know that much about her. She kind of keeps to herself. Uh, and it starts off with she's just trying to, uh, as Colton Dunn's uh, character Garrett voices over there, that uh, superstore is where you come to find everything, whether you want to be 
thin, you want to get fat, you want to find uh, friendship, you want solitude, or you want to find love. And it starts off with uh, Amy uh, selling a, a ring to a, a gentleman that's looking to propose to his, his girlfriend because he got her pregnant. So uh, basically his dad's making him uh, propose to his girlfriend. So not really buying that the best there at a superstore. They don't really have those top shelf line, uh, top of the shelf line, uh, top of the shelf rings. So sells uh, sells him a ring though, so he can go and propose, and then ends up uh, meeting Jonah, who's uh, trying to just get his act together there. So basically, you feel like there's like a little meet cute, possibly kind of romantic tension happening between the two of those, uh, two of those people. But uh, Jonah, uh, who's trying to show that he can fit in, he's capable of doing this job. Uh, the first thing that he does to really kind of set things off on the wrong foot is that he's supposed to be uh, repricing some items there in the store and acts like he knows how to use the price gun and change everything accordingly. Uh, instead of just uh, knocking everything off 25%, he makes everything that he's repricing 25 cents. So basically that causes a huge calamity in the store. Everybody's running around. Uh, and basically buying every, as much as they can and trying to get out of the store as quickly as possible, which, yeah, there's... Uh, which, I mean, if you, I'm thinking about if somebody took the time to reprice everything 25 cents, I was in the store and I found out that, my gosh, everything's 25 cents. I, I don't know if I, I'd really, I think I'd be smart enough to think that everybody's going to figure this out sooner or later and probably pretty quickly. So why not just get a few items that I want and just get the heck out of there? Instead, these people are loading up their carts with, with as much as possible trying to get out. Don't slow it on the process. If you see something that that is uh that that's free or you're getting something at a tremendous discount if you go buy a tv for 25 cents you're not going to try to buy 50 of them because you might get busted before they because they're going to figure out what's going on so just buy one buy one don't be greedy don't be greedy just take your one run to the register get that and just make off like a bandit just be happy that you got a one tv for 25 cents don't try to press your luck on that but they end up uh dina comes in with her, her shotgun uh lets off a blast that's what you wanted uh in a superstar, just let off a little shotgun blast into the ceiling to put everybody at ease and uh, stop them in their tracks to make sure that they don't go off with any other merchandise. Amy is uh, basically wrestling with a, a lady in the parking lot who's trying to get her items from the shopping cart into her minivan, saying that she's already bought those while Amy's de desperately trying to yank them back into the store so that she can pay the correct value for that. So, ben, uh, so Jonah has to go off and just apologize to everybody like that. Mateo who's there uh, basically wants to let everybody know that he wouldn't have made a mistake like that. Uh, that, uh, that, you know, he, if he was put in charge of the store, uh, or at least in charge of Jonah, that he would make sure that nothing like that ever happened again. Now, all this is uh, done under the supervision of uh, the store manager, Glenn, played by Mark McKinney, formerly of Kids in the Hall. Everybody knows him there. He's kind of basically um, like a milk toast. I guess you, one of those managers, if you ever had a manager that uh, just is, you know, just kind of, blends into the background He's supposed to be in a position of authority but doesn't really hold any authority at all uh he basically just is an authority just by title only doesn't really have the the respect of his uh, the people that work underneath him they just more it almost seems like they just more just like uh tolerate him maybe have a little bit of pity towards him uh I think, i'm sure we've all had bosses like that where we think we're uh like why is this guy the boss i please if i were the boss uh, i would be so much cooler than that uh, I guess you find out if you get in that position of power that, oh man, maybe it's not as easy as I thought. But certainly Glenn uh, brings plenty to the uh, the table in terms of issues. So I, you know, I, I can see like, yeah, I can't imagine him ever being in just like a regular employee thinking like, oh yeah, that's uh, if I, when I'm the cool boss, I'm going to be this, N not the cool boss at all. 
Now, the big twist that we find out at the end of the episode is that uh, as Amy uh, leaves the store, she finally tells Jacob uh, her real name. Excuse me, tells Jonah her real name. And uh, Jonah and them have like a, a nice little tender, like in a moment, like friendly moment. And you kind of see like a little spark, a little chemistry between those two characters. And then Jonah leaves for the night. And then you see Amy, she reaches into her purse and she pulls out her wedding ring, puts on her wedding ring. So you find out at the end of the episode that she is indeed married. At that point in the series, you, since it's only the pilot, you have no idea if she's keeping this a secret from everybody or just from Jonas since he's the new guy. But regardless, she keeps that part of herself uh, you know, kind of off the table as well. And that's the end of the pilot episode. Now, I know uh, Zach, uh, who's uh, running the show here, he watched that episode. Zach, big fan of that show? Um, you know, I thought there was some, some great comedy uh, bits in this. Um, I, there's some good... Uh, the jokes are there. That's the thing. Um, I, for me, I didn't get to see episodes two through four yet, but I think that where they've got to do some some heavy lifting is getting the drama between these characters and really feeding my connection to them a little more. But I think there were some amazing just bits of comedy. Now, there is a. I mean, certainly the setting for Superstores is right for a lot of a lot of comedy. But I agree with you there. It's just. And even watching subsequent episodes that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. I mean, you see that the humor is there, and they're really slowly bringing along in the character development. I don't know if they have any long-term plans or to, to do more with that, but so far that's certainly been the part of the show that is not as strong is in terms of these relationships. Yeah, I mean, uh, like Colton Dunn as Garrett, um, I thought was hysterical. Yes. He's, he's probably my favorite character on the show. Um, but, every, but, like, I just I need someone to connect to. Mm-hmm. At this point, so I'm. Did you did you feel that you really connected to any of the characters? You know, as somebody, I, my having my first job be at a uh, Kmart. I mean, I guess I could see myself uh, being more like Jonah, where you're just trying to fit in with everybody, and then realizing you're in a little bit over your head uh, with everything. And I mean, I, I, that was me. I ended up uh, getting uh, fired from that within 90 days. So yeah, so I guess I was definitely in over my head when it comes to working at a superstore. So I probably rely relate more to Jonah than anybody else. Okay, I mean that's that's especially if you have that personal connection to the role. Um, I, I have never worked in a big box store. Oh, you're missing out, Zach. You're missing, <laughs> man. Oh, I can't believe you missed out on that that uh, prime life shaping moment in, to work in a big box store. The show did activate my conspiracy theory uh, thought, like wheels in the back of my head thing. I'm like, did Walmart pay for this show to make us think that they're like treating all their workers like great and everyone there has a good life? And the pilot did not dissuade my uh, (laughs) my conspiracy theories. Yeah, I would certainly look at that break room that everybody's working in. They certainly uh, seem much more happy. Uh, you know, th- it's like they're they're TV kind of like grumpy, as opposed to like real life grumpy. If you're working at one of those big box stores, at least from the time that I've worked in a few of them, like over Christmas breaks, working at a Toys R Us, or doing uh, you know Kmart and things like that, that people in the break room, yeah, they're they're really cranky about their work situation. These characters have retained their souls. Yes, yes, uh, and you find that out quickly at a big box store. That oh <laughs> dear lord, this is uh, you, you, your souls are being diminished on a daily basis. But yeah, I mean, I did also think that the twist at the end of the pilot with the ring was well done, well presented. Yeah. Um, and like, it was a surprise. 
it was a surprise, but I think it's like it's the kind of twist that makes you think that they're going to really build on that throughout the series. And so far, they really haven't built on that. Okay, so yeah, so now I, I would love to hear what you think of uh, episodes two through four, and if they went, uh, if they took that places, or they're just sitting on it as a plot plot device for later. Yeah, and uh, for those of you that do happen to live in Los Angeles, uh, just a little fun fact in terms of the location of the Cloud Nine store: it's not really a store at all. It's basically just a, uh, a facade, so just the front inside of that building. And anybody that's driving uh, by the Warner Brothers studio, making their way over Barham, over the hill to go back into Hollywood. And you can see right on the back of the Universal lot, if you're heading uh, over the hill onto, into Hollywood, you can see the front of the super, uh, the Cloud9 store just built right there, just a little exterior that you just drive right by it every single day. So let's say if you're in Los Angeles, you want to get a little, a little peek of the location of uh, NBC Superstore's Cloud9, you can see it right over there. So now, yes, uh, Zach, oh, thank you for that uh, fantastic segue. So uh, as we're talking about the rest of the series, we'll move on to episode two, uh, which is called Magazine Profile. So for this, it's uh, basically it starts off with uh, a morning meeting there had by, uh, run by Glenn, who basically has no control over the, uh, the, the break room right there. Everybody else is just talking, doing their own conversations. Finally, it takes Dina to be able to just kind of give a little rap on the desk to get everybody's attention. But uh, basically, the idea is that the uh, that the the corporate magazine for Cloud Nine is coming to do a profile piece on the store, and Glenn is uh, paranoid because uh, he just wants to make sure that he gets uh, that he looks good, that he gets a little feature, that the store looks great in the uh, in in the magazine. So he's wanting to make sure that everybody's on their best behavior. So he kind of goes around the break room, calls everybody out on a few things like uh, sales, stop being so creepy, please just dial it down to a two. Uh, he tells Garrett. Uh, to basically get all the, the the playful nicknames that he likes to call Glenn when they're out on the store floor to just get him out of his system right now, so that uh, that way he doesn't have to say those when the reporter gets there. So, which is nice, a nice mo- little moment for uh, Colton Dunn to be able to run down the uh, the list of uh, nicknames that he has for Glenn, which include uh, Glenda, uh, Glenema, Transglender, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Loss, uh, <laughs> uh, Gl- Glen- Gl- uh, Glentil Soup, and uh, G Nothing. So uh, I'd love to know if those were actually Colton's ideas or if those are in the script. I don't know. Since uh, uh, Colton is a fantastic improviser, I'd like to think that maybe he got a chance to throw in a few of those off the top of his head as well. Uh, but uh, now uh, Dina uh, basically wants uh, nothing to do with any of this. She already hates uh, reporters, magazines, newspapers, all the way from back in high school when they said that she had scoliosis. And so she was terribly offended by that accusation or uh, in high school, and so has never trusted any sort of reporter since then on. Uh, but uh, Glenn also takes a moment there to to feel like he's cool and that he gets it with the nicknames and decides to give himself his own nickname as well, uh, and he calls himself G-Spot. So uh, terrible, terrible nickname for yourself there, Glenn. Sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, so basically the reporter comes in there and... Uh, she, they want to look. Uh, want to make sure everybody looks good for that. So uh, Glenn basically sees what's on the mannequin and says, "Like, he, I'm going to dress like this really cool hip style mannequin," and he can't pull it off. He's just not that cool to be able to pull off one of the fashions that you see on a mannequin. So Amy, Mateo, and and, uh, and Jonah said, "Like, all right, we'll help you make you know, help make you over." So they get him a nice little suit and tie, make sure that it looks respectable. It looks like he could be the manager of, of Cloud Nine. And they think that he's ready to go for the interview. But Jonah stops him and says, like, you know, it doesn't matter how, how good you dress. All the reporters that care about are your big ideas. That's what you need for the article. That's what they want to hear about. Tell them that, that some big idea that you have. And that's going to get uh, a lot of focus and attention on the article, make you look really good. 
Amy Mateo said, no, 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 don't, don't get into any of that. Just, just look good, answer any questions, talk about the store briefly, and then just move on. So when the reporter shows up, Glenn's got that going through his head. And of course, the first interaction between Glenn and the reporter, terrible. Uh, Glenn's fumbling. Yeah, they can't, uh, they can't actually get one word in over the other. They keep talking at the same time. So Amy does all the talking for them. And uh, Glenn, which I love his smooth move uh, to, to introduce himself to the reporter, says that, uh, uh, here we go, uh, his, uh, it's, a, it's, a pleasure, uh, it's a pleasure to meet me and that you're, uh, boy, you're uh, just a cute little kitty cat, aren't you? Which, great way to uh, ingratiate, yourself, ingratiate yourself to anybody, especially a reporter. That's something you really want to have talked about in the article is that you just, re- <laughs> just refer to everybody as just a, a cute little kitty cat. So she, uh, uh, Glenn takes her around uh, the store for just a little uh, supervision, kind of give her the tour, and uh, realizes that you know the reporter doesn't care about, like, okay, all these stores look the same. What makes this store stand out? What's different about this? What are you trying to do? That's what she wants to put in the magazine. Uh, and Jonah happens to be right there along with Amy and says, well, you know, well, hey, Glenn has a lot of big ideas. Uh, in fact, his uh, his big idea to change the way that the, the store is, is run and put together is that instead of organizing everything by uh, product type, that he thinks that Glenn likes the idea of organizing everything by lifestyle. So whether you're like a single mom, you're a, you're a veteran, that's how everything would be organized in the store for for your particular needs. The reporter thinks that's a fantastic idea and says, all right, I think that's something we could definitely write about in the article. Uh, and then Jonah, of course, goes a step too far and uh, pimps out uh, Glenn to say a few more ideas. And so Glenn's two ideas were... Uh, it, we're gonna go, we're gonna be calling it uh, uh, ramples. Uh, we're gonna call, call it framples instead of uh, free samples. Just shorten that word. That's gonna be the other big idea. Everything's called framples. Uh, the reporter already feels like no, no, no. Forget it. I don't need to hear any of this. And his, echo, his second idea is to uh, we're gonna call them sharts from now on. Basically, short for shopping carts. Oof, that's uh, a it's a great nickname. Uh, I. I yeah, it's a. I mean, of course, certainly, if anybody's you know knows what the uh, shard is a uh, true uh, description of, uh, knows how far off the base that this is. Uh, but I love the idea of somebody going around calling everything shards. I think I'd love to uh, start using that as I go around to any of the big box stores. Uh, hey, or don't forget, we got to get our shard. Make sure we go around. See how many times I can say that before people start looking at me like, um, "What are you talking about? What is happening here?" So uh, what the uh, now Garrett is. Uh, one thing he's not excited about this this uh, reporter coming to cover the story because they know what, along with the reporter you bring a photographer and the photographer his main goal is to find somebody that has a disability because that's what they use for the covers of their magazine they love to show how diverse they are with the people that they employ and so Garrett knows that he's a prime target for this photographer and he doesn't want to be on the cover of this magazine so basically Garrett spends the majority of the episode just avoiding the photographer as much as possible you see him kind of cruising around the aisle there's even uh, one customer that comes up to Garrett and asks him about headphones and the whole time that Garrett's ask, answering his question he's giving everybody uh, he's just flipping the, the the bird just in general as he's talking to this guest and the guest's kind of offended like why, why are you flipping me the bird I was just asking you about headphones and uh, his response was no no, no it, this is has nothing to do with you but as long as I keep my my fingers like this I can't get photographed because they could never use this in the magazine at all so I felt like that was his moment to kind of stymie the photographer but at the end of the episode he has a, a change of heart because he sees that gear uh, that Glenn is just being kind of dismissed by the reporter He's not really going to get his moment to shine. The photographer hasn't even taken one single photo 
of Glenn at all to use in the, the feature or the cover or anything like that. And so Glenn's feeling very dejected. He's missed his chance to really shine, his moment in the sun. And Garrett sees that and decides, all right, you know, I'll take one for the team. You know what? Uh, you can take a picture of me uh, as long as you do it with my boy Glenn along with me in the photo. So that gives Glenn his moment to shine. Garrett gets his photo taken. But, of course, when the magazine does come out, they see on the cover that you can see Garrett just fine. But where Glenn is sitting next to, to, to Garrett, there's a big starburst over his face describing how uh, how great uh, uh, Cloud9 is for hiring some of their people with disabilities for, for their staff, for their members of their team. And Glenn, even though it just takes a pause for a second, but still excited that he even just made the cover, even just like his, his body made the cover, not even his face, but still happy about that little victory that he has. Uh so yeah, so that now for for a second episode, I mean, basically anytime a second episode happens, you want to kind of repeat the patterns of the first episode, uh, just to guess to kind of reinforce the idea for for the viewers. And as a second episode, I mean, this was it was fine. I mean, basically, if you're talking about just uh, general day to day life and shenanigans that could happen at a superstore, it does a fine job of that. But in terms of developing any of the characters at all. I mean, other than just reinforcing just their kind of behavioral types, it doesn't really progress them character-wise or developmentally, I, I think. Uh, especially when you do such a big reveal in the pilot that Zach and I were just talking about where Amy shows that she's married, uh, that big reveal at the end of it, not even addressed in this episode at all. So uh, I don't know what their intention was here in the second episode to if they're – the way they approach it like this makes me think like they're not really caring so much about long-term character arcs or any sort of kind of – tension whether it be like a sam and diane relationship that you'd see on cheers something like that whether they're trying to develop it like that uh more so than just like hey this is just another uh we're gonna treat everything it's just kind of like one-off episodes there's not really any kind of big overall character arcs no continuity uh so i have to admit i was kind of disappointed in that episode even though the humor was there just the fact that that if you tease the fact that there's some kind of uh secrets at play at least to one if not more of the characters that that work with uh amy's character in the show then I'd, I'd like to see that kind of developed in some sense. And the fact that it wasn't just was like, eh. I mean, it's just kind of a nagging thing because that seemed to be such a uh, a big thing to end an episode on that you're like, all right, I'm looking to find out what the what the hook is for this. And other than just like you kind of get the feeling that uh, that Jonah and Amy just have a kind of a flirtatious relationship, that there's certainly some sort of chemistry and fondness there. Uh, there is no progression uh, from what you see in the, at the end of the pilot episode. So uh, that's uh, – uh, now, one other thing that the show does as well is that through each of these episodes, there's always, like, these little running gags, little quick gags, black, oh, like blackouts almost, of either people, uh, how they're behaving while they're in the store or uh, just uh, employees while they're at the store. So, for example, in this episode, there's a man cleaning up a, uh, a bunch of pickles that have been uh, – like a glass of – a jar of pickles is smashed on the floor, scattered pickles all over the place. He's cleaning it up since he works at the store, but he stops midway through and just picks up a pickle and decides to take a bite and just eat it along the way. So you have those little moments that are scattered throughout the episode, which are just nice little like little quick little hits of just what the uh, the kind of odd behaviors that I'm sure many of the writers probably have seen or noticed when they've been at uh, superstores, either from working at them at big box stores or just noticing when they're shopping as well, either employees or other people in a big box store, uh, what kind of behaviors that they're exhibiting. So kind of nice little fun cutaway moments for that. Now, take a little. <clears throat> now, now, for that, uh, we move on to episode three. Look at that. We've got episode three right there. This is Shots and Salsa. So, uh, 
basically the episode opens with Glenn, uh, what he likes to do in the morning with everybody else to do like a big morning cloud nine chant with all the employees, basically get them riled up, get them excited about the day ahead of them. And the chant basically takes forever so much so that the store is probably open within like five or 10 minutes. They're still going by without opening the doors and people that want to come in and shop are just basically outside looking in as these people are doing this really a long elaborate chant. Uh, and so before uh, they, they, they do the chant, they wrap it all up. And before Glenn turns everybody loose, he basically asks for a volunteer that they have uh, samples of Cloud9's new salsa. And he's looking for somebody to volunteer to sh- serve out samples. So Mateo, always being the one to wa- want to move up in the ladder, get attention, show how, show how good he is, quickly volunteers. That's it. That's for me. Yep, I'm going to do it. Uh, and Glenn originally says, like, all right, boom, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, he thinks that uh, Mateo is uh, Latino. Uh, when... Uh, Mateo says, no, 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 I'm uh, Filipino. He's like, uh, nope, that'd be a little awkward. Uh, Amy, how about you do it? Uh, and Amy takes offense to that, saying, you know, hey, as, just because I'm uh, a Latina doesn't mean that I should be you know, selling salsa at all. So Glenn decides to just, uh, you know, just let uh, his little, uh, he's going to count, just a little little nursery rhyme type of deal. He's going to count around. And uh, wherever the finger stops, that's who's going who's gonna to be giving out the salsa. And happens to do his little counting thing that he does. And it ends up on the only other Latina out there in the store, uh, Carmen. So she's going to be giving out the samples. She's all down for doing that. And, in fact, she really embraces it. She wears a sombrero. She sets it up. She starts speaking in a really heavy uh, Hispanic accent as well, uh, which uh, uh, Amy takes great offense to. Like, at first, it really thinks that Glenn is the one that put her up to that, to doing the accent. So comes over to Carmen and says, you know, you don't have to do this sort of accent at all. You know, this is something that... Uh, uh, if Glenn's asking you to do this, don't worry about it. So Carmen says, "No, no, no, no. I, I do this because this is sadly this is what customers they they want. They're gonna they they feel like it's more authentic and more true if they're hearing it from somebody that with with an accent talking about them. So really playing up basically the idea of just stereotyping. We just see Latinos. We we think that they're like oh, uh, if they're speaking to us a, a, with a with a uh, Latin accent, then they must know salsa and they must know that the salsa is really good. If you're talking about it just in, in, in your regular tone voice without any sort of accent to it, why am I going to get salsa from you? How do I know that this is really good? So they basically get in a big fight, Carmen and and Amy, about this. St- uh, start battling over the salsa, uh, and then the salsa spills on the floor. Carmen slips, breaks her, uh, sprains her leg, and so she can't do it anymore. So she's kind of out of the running. But that leads to a big corporate video there where they have to do about cultural diversity and sensitivity there in the workplace. And basically, that just leaves uh, Glenn wrapping up that session with uh, colorblind is color kind is how he wraps that up for all the employees to send them out there with that little beat, which uh, as somebody that's had to both, uh, I both made corporate uh, corporate videos as well and watched them as well. Uh, man, those are just, uh, they're punishing to uh, just to watch. They just uh, are just so heavy handed in terms of the message that they're trying to put across. So uh, it was fun to just see a nice little take. Uh, somebody just kind of do a nice little parody of those kind of videos. And then just ending it with a colorblind is color kind was just a nice nod to some of the ridiculousness and the uh, the heavy handedness that some of those corporate uh, sensitivity videos have. Now, uh, Jonah, at the beginning of the episode, his big his big arc through the whole story is that uh, he realizes that uh, that people should be helping out others if they see a problem. Now, Garrett believes that you don't help anybody else that within these walls if you see somebody struggling let them be don't get involved because it's only going to bite you in the end but Jonah doesn't agree with that he's like no 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 I'm going to help out because that's what people do you help out other people 
So he decides to help this pharmacist who's bringing in some boxes. Now, the pharmacist takes that as a sign like, oh, my gosh, this is a overachiever like myself. I'm going to get him sucked into my world, uh, casually dropping in that uh, they pay him so much money because he makes the tough calls because he decides whether people live or die uh, and just subtly drops. Well, not even so subtly, just kind of, you know, casually mentions that he makes one hundred and sixteen thousand dollars a year to, to make these big decisions. And basically, while Jonah thinks he's just doing a quick favor to help out somebody bring some boxes over to the pharmacy, basically gets him sucked in for the rest of the episode, just stuck with his pharmacist trying to help him kind of run his little uh, pharmacy counter for the entire episode. Now, the other runner that's going through the episode is uh, is a, 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 a customer over at the Cloud9 store who's basically just trying to find out if uh, he wants to find a, a toothbrush that takes care of tartar. Not plaque. It's got to take care of tartar. So... He's basically asking a variety of different people uh, that work at the store, whether it be Glenn, Mateo, if these if these toothbrushes take care of uh, tartar and not plaque. And nobody can really kind of give a definitive answer uh, throughout the entire episode. So that kind of is a runner that leads through the whole thing. Now, uh, now with Amy, because uh, Carmen got hurt, uh, basically Amy Amy's now in charge of the the, the salsa area right there. And uh, uh, Dina comes over to say, like, hey, you can't just be talking to people in your normal voice. Uh, nobody's going to want to come over that. They, As she says, Sophia Vergara it up. You know, really get people excited about that. Amy finds out that that's, that's offensive. I, I mean, that's, you know, I'm playing into stereotypes if I do something like that. Uh, but then Dina mentions that part of the proceeds of these, uh, these salsa sales go towards helping uh, orphan kids. And so Amy sees that, sees that nobody's coming by to buy anything the way that she's approaching it right now. And realizes, all right, this is for a good cause. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to just lay on my ax, uh, lay on a heavy Latino accent and really kind of play this up. And the moment that she does, she starts getting customers coming in and wanting to sample out the salsa and start buying it. And for that episode, she realizes that she's got to uh, kind of put her uh, her own ego aside just for the, the good of the, the orphans. And just sadly play into these stereotypes. And the more she plays into the stereotypes, the bigger crowd that she gets and the more people are buying these salsa. So it's like a double-edged sword. She realizes that, oh, man, it's just uh, – it's terrible because uh, nobody else she, – as she does at the end of the episode, she wants to take a moment and just describe to everybody like, hey – you know, just, uh, we do more than just sell salsa. You know, we're also, uh, architects. We're also lawyers. You know, we're also, uh, policemen. And nobody buys that at all. And it's like, nah, I'm just kidding. So she realizes that sadly at the end, people just, uh, come to the sewer, these big box stores, Cloud Nine, just, uh, and they just are living in their stereotypical world. They just see people with, uh, with one lens, unfortunately. Now, uh, at the end of the episode, Jonah realizes that trying to help out people is only biting him in the end because, uh, basically the pharmacist kind of, Sticks Jonah with the uh, the responsibility of uh, telling the, this whole long line of people who have come to get flu shots. There's only one vaccination left, so everybody argues about that, and they're all fighting about who should get this one last vaccination. Jonah's uh, shift goes. Uh, Garrett announces over the loudspeaker that everybody that's clocked in at their morning shift is they can now clock out at the end of the day. And Jonah realizes that he's made a mistake. He's as much as he wants to try to be that helpful person, he's kind of got it in over his head and slowly backs away and uh, clocks out for the day. And just as Garrett sums up at the end of the episode that the great thing about working at the Superstore is that uh, you clock your you clock the store at the door. So you don't help out anybody. You clock your issues at the door that you have with the store, and then you can walk out and enjoy the rest of your day. So it ends there with uh, with Jonah and Amy sitting out there in front of the, uh, the Superstore having some chips and salsa. And then the tag for that episode is the, uh, the gentleman's been looking for the toothbrush, basically spending the whole, the whole day at the Superstore at Cloud9 looking for 
the uh, for the toothbrush, comes out to his car, excited to have the right toothbrush, and his kids have been waiting in the car the entire time, which I thought that was probably one of my favorite runners for the show because it, it kind of was a nice a little payoff at the end of it that you just see how ridiculous uh, the extremes that some people uh, will do when they're looking for something at the superstore. So by far, I think so far out of the first three episodes, that by far was my favorite runner throughout the whole episode because it was just a nice little funny moment that kind of came back a couple times and then had a really nice little fun little sting at the end of it to kind of round out the episode. Now, again, in terms of relationships, though, uh, again, uh, just a little bit of flirtation between Jonah and Amy at the end of the episode you kind of see them just hanging out there just enjoying it usually at the end of every episode every episode they kind of come together for a moment have a little quick conversation and then kind of go their separate ways this time they decide to stay together and have some chips and salsa but no real big development there of the uh, the Jonah and Amy relationship so so far we're three episodes in and other than the pilot we've seen no real big push towards any sort of kind of relationship indications there towards the two of them but now we get to the fourth episode here. The final one that we're going to be talking about today, it's Mannequin, episode 104. So uh, this episode here, uh, basically we're, we're starting off with the uh, – now Jonah finally, four episodes in, he feels like he's finally fitting in. Now Amy tells him that you don't decide when you fit into the Cloud9 store. We'll tell you when you fit in. Uh, and so Jonah then finds out a little bit of information that the audience has known uh, that basically uh, – uh, that Amy's pregnant. She was uh, pregnant when she was 19, and that she gave the baby up for adoption, uh, and that she's married. Uh, these are the first indications that Jonah's realized that Amy has some sort of life outside the superstore, and certainly that any kind of flirtatious indications that he's had with Amy have now been kind of uh, he kind of gets a little uh, halt in his step because he realizes, oh my gosh, she's married. She's had a kid when she's 19. Oh boy, I didn't really know all this stuff about her. I thought we just had kind of a flirtatious relationship. Now. Uh, there's another girl at the store, Cheyenne, who's pregnant as well. Uh, her uh, her fiance, Bo, was the one that actually bought the ring back from uh, Amy at the beginning of the pilot episode, which is a nice little research. That character is going to be kind of a, a returning, recurring character, which is kind of nice because Bo, uh, not the sharpest tool in the box. But uh, basically, when he uh, when Jonah says to Cheyenne, like, "Oh man, you know, I'm I'm so sorry that you are having to bra- have a baby at such a young age." Uh, her response is like, oh, well, I couldn't get a ride to Planned Parenthood. That was the only thing that was really stopping her from doing anything about this. And Jonah said, I'm, I'm always there to give you a ride. Now, Glenn, the store manager, you know, was like, no, please stop offering rides to our employees to take them to abortion clinics. And Jonah is like, no, 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 no. I, not really my uh, – I can understand putting your uh, foot in your mouth in terms of uh, what you think is a uh, a uh, altruistic gesture but being really misinterpreted by other people. It's like, no, 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 this is – what are you trying to do? Trying to push your political agendas and views on other people. Don't do that. Uh, so now they uh, – as they walk is uh, uh, Jonah, Amy, and Garrett are going around the store. They happen to see a mannequin that looks surprisingly a lot like Jonah. And Garrett and Amy really love that idea. Like, oh, my gosh, it looks just like you. I knew you looked familiar somehow. So this becomes a runner throughout the episode is that they take the mannequin first into the break room, dress him up to look exactly like Jonah. And Jonah's trying to act like it's not really getting to him at all. But uh, they play around with his, uh, his weird fascination with documentaries. They make fun of him as they're talking about the mannequin. Weird fascination with documentaries, jazz music, and then eating bananas uh, the wrong way. Just opening, holding him by the stem and opening him up the other way, which Jonah says is a life hack that, uh, that monkeys use in the, in the forest. That's how they do it because the, the stem is a natural stock for monkeys to use. So throughout the course of the episode, uh, just to really kind of stick it to uh, Jonah, they decorate 
they're dressed with a mannequin in various different kind of uh, attire and kind of scatter them around the store for Jenner to discover. So things that they dress them up in, they dress them up like a, uh, a figure skater. They dress them up like a human dog, have them just like sitting there like in a leather vest, like eating out of a dog bowl, uh, a lifeguard in a kiddie pool, a bride uh, holding a banana next to a gorilla holding a banana, and then on a toilet reading a diarrhea magazine. So that's uh, the things at... <coughs> Those are the things that they're trying to uh, uh, do with the, 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 with the mannequin to kind of get a rise out of Jonah. Now, Jonah tells Amy that he's not really going to get a rise out of this because he's got older brothers. He's been used to being teased, so it's not going to get to him at all. Uh, and he doesn't want to be labeled as the sensitive one of the store. He feels like everybody at the store has kind of got their thing that they're known for. So he doesn't want to be the sensitive guy. And Amy wonders what she's known as. And uh, he's, she's known as, the, uh, the, as like the, the mom type, that everybody likes her, but nobody expects her to kind of cut loose and have a good time. So Amy kind of takes offense to that as well, and that kind of leads her to keep doing more and more ridiculous things with these, this mannequin uh, to try to get a rise out of Jonah, but also to say, like, hey, I, I could be the fun, fun lady as well. Someone showed that she's kind of like uh, passing on her daily responsibilities to other people at the store who are doing a terrible job of managing it. Mateo gets in charge of the schedule and basically uses that as a, as a moment to take that little taste of power and just put anybody that's ever had an, uh, ever irritated him to have them work in the freezer. So basically, like 15 people are working in the freezer because all those people are irritating him. People that are running the uh, the clothing department, they're, they're not there, and so people are just changing their clothes right out in the middle of the store, which is, is going off the rails. And uh, while that's all happening, basically Glenn and, and Dinah both approach Cheyenne, who's thinking about seriously adopting, uh, giving her baby up for adoption, that either of them would love to be a candidate for to take, over, take Cheyenne's baby if she was willing to give it up for adoption. And uh, they basically, Cheyenne basically gives them a test at the same time to uh, uh, Glenn and uh, Dinah. And basically the first question is like, uh, are you a pedophile? So that was the uh, the first question that, that they put out right out of the gate, which, you know, I guess, you know, you want to get right to it. If you're going to be giving up somebody for adoption, I guess that should be the first question. Are you a pedophile? That's always, always question somebody's motives. If they're going to be uh, willing to adopt a child, that's, you know, uh, let's question that. So let's first just ask the tough questions and then we can move on from there. Now, uh, Jonah uh, basically gets so tired of all the stuff with mannequins that he's like, all right, enough is enough. I don't need to see a, a version of me sitting on a toilet uh, reading a diarrhea magazine. So instead, I'm going to take this mannequin, walk through the store, uh, because it's hard to carry this thing with its pants around his ankles, and dump it in the trash compactor. Uh, sadly, though, the alarm goes off because uh, the trash compactor gets jammed and everybody realizes, like, all right, maybe, you, uh, Jonah, you, you were saying that you weren't uh, sensitive about, that you were, weren't going to be sensitive about all this, but it feels like this is getting to you a little bit. Jonah keeps trying to play it off and gets another mannequin, uh, tries to dress it up like Amy, but of course it doesn't look like Amy at all, so that's kind of a fail. And Garrett notices that, like, hey, you know what? Amy, you and uh, you and Jonah got like a work flirt thing happening, and this is a nice thing because this is the first time that you really see some, some kind of somebody else really acknowledging that there's something going on with Jonah and Amy. So the first time in four episodes, we're finally getting a nod that somebody else is noticing this kind of chemistry between the two of them. And Amy takes offense to this because one, she's married, and two, like she she's not gonna have a work flirt relationship, especially if she's in a in a real committed married relationship. And Garrett's trying to assure, like, hey, I didn't mean anything serious about her. I've got a lot of work flirt relationships as well, so don't worry about that. And as they're talking about this, they see Jonah in the break room, who has now bought a sex doll that he thinks more res closely resembles Amy, is trying to dress it up to try to keep going this this little uh, one-upsman uh, joke rivalry in terms of mannequins and stuff. 
And basically the rest of the staff comes in, sees Garrett holding the sex doll that's dressed up like Amy. And uh, that yeah, we, uh, basically uh, he can't get the clothes on, so it keeps falling apart. He keeps seeing mosaiced out bits of nudity on top of, the, top of the sex doll. Amy's getting really embarrassed because everybody's thinking like, oh, my gosh, that does look sort of like Amy. And Amy's like, no, 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 please stop. Stop doing this. No, 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 no. I don't want any of this happening. So uh, while they're sorting this all out, Cheyenne comes to the realization that she doesn't want to give this baby up for adoption. She wants to raise it for herself. So she tells Glenn and Dana that, Dinah that, that nope, uh, we're going to keep the baby for ourselves and we'll kind of figure it out as we go along. So uh, Glenn and Dinah are uh, sad to uh, miss out on this prime opportunity. But since uh, uh, Dinah's uh, big uh, uh, pluses, reasons that she should adopt, include things like uh, that she already lactates from fungal medication uh, she has a comfortable lap and can get anyone to burp. I don't know if those are necessarily the the things I'm looking for in terms of parenting. If I'm looking to give somebody uh, a child to raise, like, oh, all right, there you go. You take fungal medication, so you currently lactate. Uh, not something I'm, I'm looking for. But uh, there, at the end of the episode, there now Amy's got that idea in the head, like, oh my gosh, people are kind of noticing that I have an attraction to Jonah. Uh, what's happening here? Uh, Jonah comes up at the end of the day, as they often do, have their little heart-to-heart talk is before they leave uh, the work, uh, leave work for the day. And Jonah says, all right, I know what you're really doing. Amy kind of gets a little caught up there for a second. And Jonah feels like this is all just about the hazing thing. You finally have accepted me. I'm part of the team now. And Amy's kind of Amy's relieved to not have to address any more of that kind of romantic are we or aren't we kind of situation and just says, yes, that's what the deal is. So, Finally, after four episodes, we're getting a little bit of movement here with this. Uh, finally, a little bit of the, uh, addressing some of the relationship between Amy and Jonah. Now, I'm hoping that this will continue. I mean, if you're going to finally bring it up in the fourth rece- fourth episode, there seems to be some sort of plan here for the remainder episodes of the season to kind of address this relationship. Although I feel like they've put themselves in an awkward spot because Amy's a married character. And so without ever seeing her husband... Uh, I have no idea like what her personal life is like. Is she happily married? Is she just kind of ambivalent towards her marriage? Is she looking for a way out? Is is this just is this truly a work flirt situation, or is there something a little bit more serious? I don't know exactly the stakes for Amy's relationship outside of this. Jonah, I feel like while he's interested in Amy, knowing that he's knowing that she's married, uh, I, he's not really that committed. I mean, he's already. The reporter that came in on uh, episode two and did the whole magazine coverage, Jonah ended up going back to her hotel room and kind of fooling around with her. So uh, Jonah showed that, uh, I mean, he's not completely invested in this like relationship. I mean, while he dresses that there's certain flirtations there, it hasn't really locked into a like, hey, I, I think there's something here between us kind of moment. And so I don't know if that's uh, hopefully that's something that we, either we're going to address or we're not going to address. I think there needs to be a definitive answer to that. Either Jonah's going to be a rapscallion or not. We'll find out in the rest of these future episodes here of Superstore. So keep coming back here, folks. Uh, my gosh, that was four episodes that we just burned through right here. Look at that. Four episodes. Uh, we did it. Zach, we did it. I'm all talked out. I'm sure you probably have all listened out for this. So look at that. We're going to wrap it up right now. This uh, for ABTV Superstore here. You can follow us. Our AfterBuzz TV Superstore. Look at that. Four episodes strong, and I'm already talking like a mush mouth. But let's, you can follow us on Twitter at ABTV Superstore. You can follow me on Twitter at HappyGoJackie. You can see me at IO West this coming Tuesday, or tomorrow night, uh, with my improv team Max at 1030 at IO West. And make sure to watch us on, uh, watch us on YouTube, like us on iTunes, 
and follow us on Facebook here. We'll be back here next week with the whole panel reassembled. So it won't just be me you have to listen to. You get to listen to all the whole panel talk about the new episode of Superstore. We'll see you then. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.